Hello and welcome to Hosanna. I'm Pastor Jen Alexander and please hear me say, we believe the Lord led you here to help you grow in faith and look a little more like Jesus. After today's message, we encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Ryan Alexander and I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna. It is so good to be with you, all of you at uh, all four of our campuses, and those of you who are joining us live or later online, maybe even uh, from your cabin one last weekend, or maybe uh, you as a family are crashing on the couch on Sunday night watching on demand after a full weekend at a time that fits your schedule, which is an option, by the way, families, and we know, and, and individuals, we know how weekends can get away from, from us, and so that's why we make our, our services available on demand. Uh, wherever you're coming from, we believe the Lord led you here today, and he has something, he has something for you. Uh, if this is your church home, just a couple of reminders. One, uh, Monday night, we've got our annual meeting online. Make sure you uh, check that out uh, if this is your church home. And if this is your church home, uh, I want to encourage you to continue growing in giving. Because when you're growing in giving, you're growing in trusting. You're growing in trusting God uh, with, with your lives. I came across this verse in my personal devotional time the other day. I just wanted to share it with you. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns. The best part. The Bible refers to it as a, the tithe, the first 10% to bring that back to the Lord. Everything we have comes from him, but bring that first 10% back to him through your local church. And, and you're trusting him. When you do that, you're trusting him to provide everything you need to fill your barn, so to speak. That is what we want for you as you grow in giving, that you would trust him more and more and more in your life. And that um, is what we want for you, which is, <laughs> this is, trust me, when we talk about giving, it's way more about what we want for you than what we want from you. We are in a year with Jesus, and we're starting a new series. We're starting a new series this week called Jesus and Tough Topics. Jesus didn't shy away from tough topics. Um, he, he actually uh, didn't always address them in quite the same way that people in his day were addressing them. In fact, he addressed them in a very different way. He lifted people's heads. He, he challenged people's hearts. He, he, he rose above the fray and, and went a different way. And so in this series, Tough Topics, we're going to look at some tough topics like money and politics and sex and revenge. Sounds like an 80s soap opera, doesn't it? Okay, I need to confess something here because I just need to get it off my chest. When I was in middle school, I would rush home to get home by 3 o'clock to watch Days of Our Lives. Anybody else? I feel better getting that off my chest. You're never going to see me the same, but it's true. My sister watched it and I got hooked. But anyway, uh, that's what it sounds like. So we're going to cover these topics um, in which order? I'm not going to tell you which order we're going to cover these in. You've got to come every week and find out. But I will tell you this. Next week we are going to talk about the tough topic of sex. So if you have young ones, you know, it would be a good weekend to take them to, to kids' church. Maybe. Um, and then I will tell you this, that the last week of this series, four-week series, Dr. Gometrius Buba is going to be with us. And uh, I just talked to him this past week, and he is fired up, and he is ready to go. But this week, 
I'm going to get you ready for a holiday that's coming. Not Halloween, but Thanksgiving, right? The Thanksgiving dinner conversations are coming. So we're going to talk today about a topic that might come up at Thanksgiving dinner. Politics. Politics. It was a tough topic in Jesus' day. Not really a tough topic now, is it? It couldn't be tougher, especially with the things that are going on in Washington, D.C., around the world. Um, we, we experienced another tragic shooting this past week, so the topic of gun control and the political discourse around that, it will be all stirred up. It seems like politics has affected every area of our lives. None more so than the, the most politically charged sector in our society today, youth sports. Anybody? Let me make some of the stuff in D.C. and you know, around the world look like child's play sometimes, which might be a good reminder for us who are in part of youth sports. It is child's play, right? Children are playing. I uh, serve on the board, National Association of Evangelicals, and every other year we hold our board meeting in Washington, D.C. And uh, this past year, earlier this month, um, I, mean, I should say this earlier this month, not this past year, it was just a few weeks ago, seems like a long time ago, uh, but we got to um, sit on the House floor for one of our meetings. Apparently it wasn't being used for anything else at that time. But. <laughs> It was open, <laughs> and we got to hear from um, a retired congressperson who'd served in Congress for over 40 years, and, and he is a Christian man who happens to be a Republican, and he talked about his experiences, and particularly, he, he talked about that even 20 years ago, that, that Republicans and Democrats would get together, and they would... They would, they would form small groups and they would sh pray together and share their lives and they knew each other's spouses and each other's kids by name across the aisle. He said, one of my best friends still to this day is a Democrat. And then he lamented. He said, I just don't know how we're ever gonna get back there. With all the extremism right now, I don't know how. He just, it just bre breaks his heart. And I think it breaks our heart too. And it does feel kind of hopeless, or we feel kind of helpless. Like, how are we ever going to get back there where people can agree to disagree and be civil to each other and care for each other, even if they have different ideological views? Well, we just finished a series on miracles here at Hosanna. So we believe in miracles. And we believe that God can work a miracle. Maybe this, this first week of this Tough Topic series is like an extension of the miracles series, in a way. Because politics, in all the wrong ways, has, a, has affected every sector of society, even Christianity and the church at times. In fact, the way that, is, that politics has infiltrated Christianity and the church has, cre has created distractions and division and destruction even, particularly to our witness as a church to people outside of the faith who look at that and say, no. Nah. I believe God wants to show us a better way. That God's word shows us a better way. Does anyone else believe that? That God wants to show us in his word how to rise above the fray and to go a different way. 
And so we're going to look specifically at the Sermon on the Mount. You can open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start with the Beatitudes. That's where Jesus starts in this great sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus shows us how to rise above the fray and go a different way. Beatitudes means supreme blessedness. Supreme blessedness. Blessed means to experience favor, to, to, um, to be in a position where you can flourish and be fulfilled in life. So as I read through the Beatitudes here in their entirety, I want you to imagine, feel, sense what it's like to be in a place where people are favored and fulfilled and are able to flourish. Matthew 5, verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Beatitudes. I can't think of a better place to talk about this tough topic than the Beatitudes. I also can't think of a better place to expose and deconstruct three false force choices that I think are at the center of behind much of what is causing so much distraction and division and destruction generally when it comes to politics, but also in, in the sense that politics has infiltrated the church and Christianity. These false force choices are as follows. Number one, politics has everything or nothing to do with Christianity. Number two, choose beliefs or behavior. Number three, this agenda or that agenda. We believe that these false force choices are at the center of what's causing so much distraction and division and destruction when it comes to politics in the church and Christianity. And maybe false force choices is just a nice way of saying lies. Either or. You know, the devil loves either or. Do you know that? He loves it because either or causes division. And he knows that a house divided cannot stand these dualistic kind of views of the world. Like, yes, this is a spiritual battle, people. What's happening here? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the enemy who wants to continue to sow division and destruction amongst the people of God. And it's time to fight back. It's time to fight back with the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. And so we're going to do that. We're going to push back against these three false force choices. The first one, 
that politics has everything or nothing to do with Christianity. That's exposed right away in verse 3 of the Beatitudes. At least the nothing part. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 10 later says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom is a political entity. Make no mistake about that. There's no other way to, to take that. Kingdom is a political entity. Jesus' message definitely had a political impact. In fact, Jesus was killed because he talked about a different kingdom that was coming to displace the kingdoms of this world. That's what got him killed. Between two political revolutionaries on his right and his left. Why? Because he was seen as a political revolutionary. He was considered a threat to the powers that be. Both the aggressive secular left, the Romans, and the oppressive religious right, the Jewish religious institution, were threatened by this message of Jesus and a different kind of kingdom. It got him killed. So when we say we shouldn't mix religion and politics, it's not really an option. Because for Jesus, it was very much in the mix in his experience and for Jesus' followers. It's also not everything for Jesus' followers. Jesus said things like, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Right? There are some things that belong to the government. Just give them to him. Apostle Paul, one of the most influential first century Christ followers, said this, honor governing officials, those who have been placed in authority by God to govern. Right? So for Jesus and, and for Jesus' followers, faith and politics aren't completely separate, but they're not synonymous either. They're not one and the same. There is some separation. This is what happens sometimes for some people is that their faith and politics become one and the same. Or, or even, you know, God and country become one and the same. And, and the problem with that is that we are first and foremost as Jesus followers called to be citizens of another kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And, and when we get them you know, mixed up and think that they're one and the same, we miss some of those values that are only held by the kingdom of heaven that we are primarily citizens of. And then we are also citizens of a country we might affiliate with a party, but it starts with we are citizens of a kingdom of heaven. They're not supposed to be completely separate, politics and, and our faith, but they're not supposed to be synonymous everything. It's not everything, it's certainly not nothing. We've got to push back against that. False force choice. Second one, and this one's doing so much damage right now. So we have to choose between belief and behavior. There is a mentality right now. Whatever it takes, right? No holds bars, trench warfare. We can say, call people names, tweet, or what do you call it now that it's X? I don't know. But whatever you want to. The ends justify the means. It's one approach, I guess. But it's not really an option as a Jesus follower. Not if we're seriously trying to follow Jesus and take his kingdom seriously and look more like Jesus, live more like Jesus. The Beatitudes focus almost exclusively on 
behavior. Attributes or attitudes that, that shape behavior. Most, most of the Sermon on the Mount does for that matter. It's about how we live, how we behave, how we treat other people. And in not addressing political issues directly the same way that the rest of the world did then and does now, Jesus is doing a couple of things here. One, he, he's saying, I want you to rise above the fray and go a different way. He's also saying clearly that beliefs don't matter more than behavior. They aren't less important. In fact, behavior may be the place to start. These attitudes and attributes may be the place to start. So what are some of the behaviors and attributes? The kingdom politics of heaven, if you will. Let's just name a few. One is, blessed are those who mourn. Those who mourn, those who grieve, those who feel deeply, those who feel sadness about stuff that's happening in their, in their lives, but also about what's happening in other people's lives. Blessed are those who mourn, who have empathy and compassion, who care about the lives of others. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Here's another one. Kingdom politics. Blessed are the meek. Other translations say humble, gentle, which kind of literally means the connotation with this word is um, to let God's plan unfold. What it means to be meek or humble is to let God's plan unfold instead of getting out ahead of God or taking control of things, but letting God's plan unfold. Some of you just need to hear that this morning. Let God's plan unfold. Trust that his plan is unfolding for you. This topic of politics is tough, I think in part because everyone thinks they're 100% right, don't they? <laughs> That's how the conversation's engaged, but the re reality is we're all partially wrong. Be good to be humble in that way. Later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives this definition of humility. Look at the plank in your own eye before the speck in someone else's eye. It's a great definition of humility. Blessed are the pure in heart, the pure-hearted. The Greek there means to have a heart that is free of adhesive or stickiness. So when stuff's thrown at you and things are said to you, it doesn't stick to your heart. It just kind of falls off. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are hearts that are free of pitch, you know? Things get stuck. I was thinking about, you know, holidays are coming, Christmas vacation, Clark Griswold puts the tree up and he gets pitch all over his hands, you know? It's like uh, every page of the magazine gets stuck. Yes. Blessed are the pure-hearted. We don't hold resentment, bitterness. So to recap... Politics in the kingdom of heaven looks like compassion, empathy, humility, gentleness, pure-heartedness, an unstuck, undivided heart. Some of you are thinking, today, that's a list of qualities for how not to get elected. Maybe that's part of the problem, right? Or, or maybe like that's a list that's too lofty, it's too aspirational, right? To be gentle and humble and pure-hearted. 
It's too, it's not realistic. Thanks, Jesus, but it's not. As Jesus followers, we don't really get to vote on that. This is what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. And, and, and I want to be, be really clear about this. These behaviors that I'm talking about, the Beatitudes, they're descriptions, not demands. So we can, we can take the Beatitudes this way. Well, I, I gotta, this is a, a list of boxes I need to check, check. I need to be more humble, more gentle, more merciful. And then God will accept me and he'll love me and I'll be saved. No, 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 no. Jesus makes that possible. It's a free gift, a free invitation. What he does on the cross and the empty tomb makes it possible for you, period, to enter the kingdom of heaven. So then these behaviors and qualities are really, they're descriptions of of who? Of people who are welcome into the kingdom of God. People who do mourn, people who are poor in spirit or poor materially, people are welcome. They're also descriptions of what kingdom citizens increasingly look like, however imperfectly, what we increasingly look like. I think Jesus would have started with beliefs if that's what mattered most to him. Beliefs matter. But our beliefs don't matter if our behavior doesn't line up with our beliefs. You know what I'm saying? And certainly people outside the church aren't interested if our behavior doesn't line up with our beliefs. Maybe a way to say it would be, unless we behave more like Jesus, no one will care what we believe about Jesus. Let me say that again. Unless we behave more like Jesus, no one will care what we believe about Jesus. And I'm talking to a group of people who get that and who are living that. And it's one of the reasons I'm so grateful for this church. The third false force choice is this idea that we have to choose this agenda or that agenda comprehensively. And in our country, it's Republican or Democrat. Now, to be clear, I am not advocating that you all become independents and and vote for RFK Jr., all right? I'm not saying that. I'm not telling you who to vote for. It's not my job. It's actually illegal for a pastor to do that, (laughs) tell you who to vote for. It is interesting when you talk about independents, though, that a recent study that was done shows that that is the fastest-growing group of people in our country, independents, who are increasingly saying no to partisan politics and increasingly saying, I don't know exactly where I fit, but I know I don't fit there or there. This false force choice for Jesus followers, accept and advocate for everything in this agenda or that agenda, all or nothing. There's a third way. There's a better way. There's a Jesus way to rise above the fray, go a different way. You can be a Republican, you can be a Democrat, you can be an independent, you can be unaffiliated in this third way. Any one of those things, but be a person who is looking at your politics through the lens of Jesus versus the other way around. If we're not careful, we can slip into seeing Jesus through the lens of our politics and wondering, what's on Pastor Ryan's shirt today? This is a lion, the lion of Judah, another name for Jesus in scripture. This is a donkey bowing 
This is an elephant bowing to the Lion of Judah. That's what I'm talking about. That's where our affiliation is first. Wherever you fall politically. So what does this other way look look like? This different way? Well, let's go to the Beatitudes of Jesus. It looks like, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's part of the kingdom agenda. Wherever you fall politically, that you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Other translations say justice. For people to, to experience their lives being made right the way it was supposed to be. Do you hunger and thirst for that? That's part of the kingdom agenda. Blessed are those who, who show mercy, who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Do you know how much mercy you've received in Jesus Christ? I mean, sometimes I think we forget, or maybe you don't know, that because we are part of this fallen humanity, our sin, our imperfection, our flaws, our mess-ups, all of that, what we deserve, according to Scripture, the wages of sin is death. You know what we get in Jesus Christ, the cross and the empty tomb? Grace, love, forgiveness, mercy, eternal life. Mercy, what we don't deserve, we get it because of Jesus Christ. And when we know how much mercy we've received, we in turn begin to extend that same mercy to other people, regardless of what they believe or who they are. We can only show mercy to the extent that we know how much mercy has been extended to us. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who work for peace or the peacemakers. For who? For all people. That's who God's concerned about, all people. Peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. And we can do all of these as a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent. And as followers of Jesus, we don't have to fall into this all or nothing mentality when it comes to agendas. When we're looking through the lens of Jesus and through Scripture, we, we can, for example, and these are just examples. I'm not saying you have to be this way, but, but you could be a pro-life environmentalist. Those two could go together. In fact, in our teaching statement in Scripture, I think you could make the case. We care for God's creation and all life, born and unborn. You, you could, for example, be a biblical conservative for racial justice. Biblical. Not only is it possible, I'm living proof of that one. Biblical conservative for racial justice. I think Jesus, Jesus doesn't mention directly most of the tougher political topics we wrestle with today. He doesn't mention abortion, homosexuality, racial justice, environment, economic systems. He only gives us the lens of himself and his teaching and this way that is different, a way to rise above the fray. He gives us God's heart and, and teaching about how to approach such topics and how to behave as we approach. So then I would ask you as your pastor, because I need to from time to time, how are you approaching such, such topics? And I know most of you are really committed to behaving more and more like Jesus, but are you? 
And as Thanksgiving's coming and 2024 is coming, we all, including myself, need to be reminded that we are part of a different kingdom. First and foremost, a, a citizen of heaven, people who are, are called to rise above the fray and live a different way. We are very committed to this as a church, if you didn't already know that. We use this term radical middle to describe this, this different way approach. And that term radical middle gets misconstrued, misunderstood. So I wrote a description a while back. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read part of it, what this means to stand in the radical middle. Hosanna is focused on Jesus, looking more like him and multiplying his presence in the world. Therefore, we are not a left-leaning church or a right-leaning church. We are a Jesus-leaning church. We want everything we believe, do, and say to come from looking through the perfect lens of Jesus first. We believe Jesus offers a third way, a better way, a way to rise above the fray. And to be clear, standing in the radical, messy middle with Jesus is far from compromising or wishy-washy. Far from it. In fact, it requires greater humility, courage, and strength. The radical middle is not a political affiliation or an agenda. It is a spiritual way, a higher way, the Jesus way. And here's, here's the thing. I'm more and more convicted, convinced. That as Jesus followers, citizens of the kingdom, we have no other choice but to stand in that place. Because we're called to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Dallas Willard in his book, Divine Conspiracy, said this. Just hear these words. Peacemakers are always in the middle. Ask the policeman called in to smooth out a domestic dispute. There is no situation more dangerous Neither side trusts you because they know that you are looking at both sides. You can't possibly be on their side. But under God's rule, there is recognition that in bringing good to people who are in the wrong, as both sides usually are, you show the divine family resemblance. When we stand in the, in the middle, the radical middle, this third way, higher way, Jesus way, we resemble the one who created us in his image the God of peace, the Prince of peace. We are part of a different kingdom. And we will be persecuted as we try to live this out, as Willard helpfully points out, from both sides. And Matthew 5.10 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for following me. People of Hosanna, Jesus followers, don't lose heart. Don't, don't give up. Don't give in to this quote-unquote special interest that, 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 that compromised Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. We can't give ourselves wholly to this agenda or that agenda. If we do, we will lose our prophetic voice. Jesus talks about the prophets who went before. A voice in the wilderness, a different voice calling out, saying there's a different way, there's hope. We are part of a different kingdom, a heavenly, eternal kingdom. Because here's the thing, all other kingdoms will pass away. All other kingdoms will pass away. I'm reading through the Chronicles of Narnia with my youngest son right now. We're in the last book, the last battle. They've gone into the kingdom of heaven. They're looking back through this open door, and they watch all the kingdoms of this world deteriorating and dying out. And they experience some sadness about that, and then they hear the voice of the lion, Aslan, the king of the kingdom of God. Cry out, come further up. 
and further in. And they turn and they chase him deeper and higher into his kingdom. That's the kingdom we're called to serve as Jesus followers. Forever, but it starts now. And you're welcomed into this kingdom by a king who looks like the qualities that are expressed in the Beatitudes. God who becomes poor, who's humble, who's compassionate, extends mercy to you. That's the king of this kingdom. And he says, come, further up and further in. I'm going to get you ready for Gemetius. Are you ready for this? If you want to live from and for this kingdom, shout amen. amen. Me too. Well, one of the implications of being part of this kingdom, the kingdom of God, is that we're part of a big C church, the body of Christ, that um, means that, that it's not all about Hosanna. We never think like it's all about Hosanna or act that way. We are part of a larger body of Christ. And to that end, we recognize and celebrate when people who have served here at Hosanna get called to serve in other places in the kingdom of, of God in the Big C Church. And so to that end, um, I'm going to invite Jason Anderson up here right now. Some of you received an email. Some of you don't read your email, right? So you're surprised right now, but read your email, right? But Jason's with us because he has been called to serve a different role, still on the same team, but in a different part of the body of Christ. Tell us a little bit about that, Jason. Uh, for those of you that didn't read the email, uh, I have been invited and accepted the invitation to become lead pastor at Crossroads Church. Uh, here in the Twin Cities, the main location is in Woodbury, but they have other locations in Hastings, Cottage Grove, and Egan. Um, so my last, this is my last weekend here. My last day on staff is November 7th, and I start there uh, after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, we're excited for you. Congratulations. Thanks. We believe in you. And uh, as you address this flock, is there anything you'd want to say to us at Hosanna? Uh, more than anything else, thank you. Uh, thank you for allowing me to be part of the Hosanna family. Uh, I do echo Ryan, even though I'm going to be at a different church, we're still all on the same team. And uh, this past four years, and that's how long it's been I've been here at Hosanna, um, it has been a time of healing and growing and learning. I am a different person and pastor and leader because of my time here, the kind of culture that I hope to shape at Crossroads has been greatly influenced by my time here. And uh, it's very normal to wonder uh, when you see folks like us standing on a platform whether or not uh, the, the person on the platform is the same off the platform. Uh, Ryan has an incredible integrity to him. So thank you to you and for modeling that integrity. It has been uh, inspirational. So thank you for that. Well, thank you, and thank you, Jason, for sharing your... I, I, okay, let's, let's pray and be done. 
And ironically, Jason's the guy who keeps us on time normally. He has to keep me on time. And your applause just made it harder well, to do we're that. We're over time now. <laughs> Jason, we're so grateful to you for your gifts, um, for your wisdom, your wit, and your wit. White Castle even brought White Castle up here at one point. Yeah, that was okay. But anyway. Delicious. <laughs> uh, but your heart. Um, to shepherd and serve over these last four years. And so we want to pray for you and send you off with our love and our blessings. So would you extend a hand in your hearts with me as we pray for Pastor Jason. Lord, we thank you. Um, there's a time for every season under heaven. We're so grateful that there was a time when Pastor Jason Anderson was with us, that he was here to share his gifts and his heart and, and to shepherd um, this flock um, for the time that he was here. Now we ask, God, that you would... Through your Holy Spirit, put wind in his sails as he goes to serve in his next kingdom calling, Lord. And we know there's a lot ahead of him, but we know that you are ahead of him, that you are going before him, that you are making a way for him to lead this part of the body of Christ. And may it be so fruitful in this next season, uh, not only for Crossroads and Hosanna, but for the church and the Twin Cities in our country and beyond. And use Jason, anoint him, in his leadership to that end. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Uh, one last time, one last time. <laughs> let me, let me uh, do the final blessing. It took me a while to remember it when I came to Hosanna. <laughs> I got it down now. <laughs> May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he bless you with his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Thank you, and God bless.